recording it. Thank you. See, no! I'm here. That's why I'm here. Well, like, I just got a notice from Zoom. I got a notice from Zoom that you're recording. It's oh, very, wow. very yeah. serious business. I want you to know. Here we go. From Atlanta, home of the most condescending TSA agents anywhere. Oh, 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 John. He wrote it. Oh, but yeah, that's that's a little accurate. It's the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast, brought to you by Whole World Improv Theater, Atlanta's original home of improv. Here are your hosts, artistic director Chip Powell, and a man who was out of town for three days, and his dog still won't acknowledge him, John Mihalik. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whole World Improv Theater, the podcast. My name is John Mihalik, and with me is my co-host, artistic director of Whole World Improv Theater, Chip Powell. Hello, everyone. I'm Chip Powell. And that is a great radio <laughs> voice, isn't it? Thank you. Um, hey, we're really excited today because we're continuing our series on meeting the main cast. And so today we're meeting main cast performer Lee Cuthbert. Lee, how you doing? I'm good, Chip. Thank you. I, uh, I'm on my second cup of coffee. Formula One season as of this morning, so everything is falling into line. Nice. I just love that we finally yes. hit F1 yeah. on this podcast. Right? We hit F1 today, baby. F1. <laughs> yep. So, Lee, a lot of our people know you here and are familiar with you here, but they're not familiar with your origins. How did Lee get into the art and entertainment industry? You know, I think creative people just migrate that direction naturally. I was in high school, had no ambition to do anything but be a barista and play in a local band. I never wanted to be famous. I just wanted my friends to come. And so in that way, my life has turned out to be a complete success. I still have a local band that only my friends come to see, and uh, I can make a mean cup of coffee. But as a plus, I also have a real job. So all of my childish dreams came true. But when I was young, I was super, super into music. And all of a sudden, you know, we were kids at the time when MTV launched and it changed the lives of a whole bunch of people I know. And being able to see the Go-Go's just completely changed my life. You know, you're in your basement in Zionsville, Indiana, and it's freezing ass cold outside and you can put on headphones and listen to Beauty and the Beat and you feel like that that's where I'm going to go. I'm going to be wherever that is. So, you know, you start writing songs and I got a group of high school friends together and we started a band called The Outskirts. We were all girls and we started recording and then played in a band in Indianapolis for years called the Daytura Seeds. And that was a great power post-punk band. And then I finished college because I was doing that at the same time. And I moved to Atlanta uh, with my friend Susan to start a band. And we did. We started a band called The Gentle Readers. And we put out three albums in 96, 98, and 2000. The last two are on Spotify, and they're really, really good. And I loved being a songwriter. But again, like the timing was just perfect because I was a secretary. And for most of those years that I was writing songs, we did not yet have the internet. So when it got slow at work, instead of shopping or reading shit about celebrities, I wrote songs. So that was very fortuitous because I have a short attention span. And if there had been internet, I'm not sure I would have gotten as much done. And as a kid, is there theater involved in any of this musical upbringing? Is there the high school play? Is there the college romp of drama? 
Yeah, it's funny. It never occurred to me that I could do that. When I was in eighth grade, we had like a big variety show that I was in, but I always thought that was for drama nerds. And I was a music nerd and not like a band nerd. I was, you know, establishment, blah, 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 sucks and, you know, all that stupid stuff. And so I never, ever pursued it, but I love my one little foray into acting and I love making people laugh. I was class clown and I'm sure today... ADHD diagnosis. So as an adult, when the band kind of slowed, I want to do something else creative and scratch a different itch. And I literally at work jumped on the internet and saw Pole World. I thought I would do 101 and that would be it. I didn't know that you get in and you never get out. I just love that, you know, if you just set the bar low in high school. I did. I set the bar very low. So my chances of success were high. (laughs) Yeah. And then you set the bar low and then surf the internet one day and become a main stage cast member. So you had a choice between improv and whatever else was on the internet. Yeah. What made you decide improv? I honestly had always wanted to take some kind of an acting thing. I did. I wanted to go that direction a little bit. And I thought being kind of short attention span type person that improv would be better than serious dramatic acting. It just immediately, like the first night, I have, you know, kind of a small comfort zone. I never wanted to wear costumes at Halloween. Like there's certain things that just always made me super uncomfortable. And I'm older when I start this. 101, first night, Chip is my instructor. No one ever plays Bunny, ever. But Chip, first night, 101, he has the class paid Bunny. And I'm like a person in my 40s with a career. And I, in my head, am like, no in a way, am I going to jump around like a rabbit? This is a mistake. I don't care that it's a few hundred dollars. I cannot do this. And then I realized it's a few hundred dollars. Just friggin' do it. And so I started jumping around like an idiotic rabbit. And once I had broken through that wall, like literally, there's almost nothing I won't do. It cracked some kind of exoskeleton. Now I will pretty much like dry hump the stage. Doesn't matter. I'm fine with it. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen you do that. I think we have. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I think we have a few times. <laughs> yeah. Bunny wrecked me and it, it fixed me all in one game. So walk us through, you go through the 101. What's your experience as you go through and you end up becoming an apprentice member here? Talk to our audience a little bit about that process. What's it like for you? Because nobody really talks about it until they get to like, oh, I'm an apprentice or now I'm main stage. They don't really talk about what they're going through in order to get there. Well, sure. I'm just the type of person that is very committed. So once I realized that this group of actors in 101 was like a family, I felt compelled to stick with them. And I also really felt like you as a teacher were deeply invested in our success, honestly. And I felt like it would be like shitty to just say, yeah, thanks for all that. And um, yeah, I'm going to go back to, you know, drinking bourbon and watching Netflix. I just was like, okay, like now I'm in. People care about me and I care about these people. So you just kept rolling. And, you know, now that I'm teaching, it happens where you have students who just like literally one day just don't show up anymore. 
They don't call, they don't email. It doesn't happen a lot. But I always find that like really strange that you are like, I'm done and I'm not beholden to anybody who gave a shit about. I'm just not built for that. I think a lot of people at Whole World honestly are like that. I think to do this, you have to really care about the other people in the company. And that's how it works. Yes. And if you don't, this isn't going to work for you. Hey, you've been listening to people talk about improv, so why not try it yourself? Whole World Improv Theater has in-person improv classes for beginners and seasoned actors alike. No prior experience is needed. Our class program is eight weeks long and full of people just like you who want to learn and have a lot of fun. Just check out our website to learn more or sign up. The website is wholeworldtheater.com. And that's theater with an R-E at the end because we're fancy. Major support for Whole World Improv Theater is provided by the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs, the sweetest smelling office of cultural affairs in the world. So you're going from 201 to 301, 301 to 401, and there's an offer to be an apprentice. What's happening with you? Because you're doing showcases at that time. What's yeah. it like to be on stage and then go back to class and then know that there's going to be an end result that could be an apprenticeship. What's going on in your head? I loved our showcases. From the moment we had a showcase in 201 and the stage lights came on and people clapped and you couldn't see them, I thought this is the best feeling in the world. And I was hooked. It's like giving somebody one shot of heroin and knowing they're going to be a repeat customer. That's what happened. <laughs> you gave me a free dose and I just shot the hell out of my arm. So the first taste is always free. Yeah, the first taste was free and then you had me. But I didn't really want to work all those shifts as an apprentice. Like it was really hard. I still had band practice, had a job and I had dogs that needed walking. And, you know, I had friends over for dinner and like it was going to be disruptive to the life that I had established. And I really struggled with it at first as an apprentice. You know, on Saturday, there were two shows and you're there till midnight and it was a struggle. And what ultimately happened is a couple of main stagers helped me kind of work through that and gave me encouragement saying, you're good at this and you can get through it. All the work I had done to get through the class program, there was a payoff at the end and I had one shot at it. I didn't quit. For our listeners out there, by shifts, the apprentice group, they actually do things like the sound, the lights, house managing, all of our shows. You know, you're right. It's a time commitment. Not only are you doing at least three shifts a month, you're also coming to four rehearsals a month. And that's before you can get into any performances on top of that. So it, it does become a time sink. Yeah. For sure. And now I realize, though, we've lost some really talented people because they just couldn't hang with going through the apprentice schedule. And I hate that. But what happens ultimately at the end of the day is you get a group of people who make it, who just totally want to be there. And you have to have that kind of, um, this is my favorite thing. And that level of commitment, I mean, it weeds out, unfortunately, some really talented people, but it also weeds out some people who are never going to give you the kind of commitment that you need to have a 
company that's healthy. And I appreciate that process. Well, and I think, you know, in speaking to that, you know, the weeding out of even talented people is part of the process to make the show what it is. It's not just the good, the bad, it's the love, it's the support, it's the people that want to be here that want to do it. And of course, that has to be managed on a daily basis. But I will say that when we lose even good people, it's a great thing because we know they're going to go on to do bigger and better. And we still have that faith in them that they are. And so we can still reach out to the community and support them in whatever endeavor they're doing. I always say that whole world has a shelf life and you're going to be here for a certain amount of time. And while you're here, make it the best you can make it. So what's it like you're an apprentice. And then we say, now you're main stage. What is that feeling like? Explain that to our listeners. You know, it's interesting. I really wanted to be main stage, obviously, but I also thought I probably wasn't ready. And I was made main stage. I felt like I still probably wasn't ready. And I think that's healthy. Like if you have that attitude of like, oh yeah, they are missing an opportunity by getting this talent on stage, then you know. But um, it was like winning the lottery. I just couldn't believe how great it was. It made me feel like super, um, not validated, but rewarded for a period of hard work. And I really felt amazing. I also felt, you know, like I said, like they've made a terrible mistake. No, I didn't feel that. um, (laughs) Maybe a little bit. I did. A little bit. Yeah. No, it was, it was really, really fantastic. And I never thought it was a lock that I would be a main stage actor at Whole World. I never thought it's just a matter of time. It was uh, it was a great day, and um, I'm super proud of it. Well, and let me just tell you something. We don't just put people in main cast because we're like, oh, they've waited around a long time. Let's put her in main cast. Your musical skills mixed with improv, Let's talk a little bit about that. We've had so many musicians, and even if we go back to season one with Michael Sweeney, Michael was the first that brought his guitar to the stage. He started doing musical impersonations. And (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm taking that to the class program. And I'm going to say, do you have a skill? What skills do you have that you can bring in? If you've got a guitar, if you've got a keyboard, if you do something, bring it in. And you didn't hesitate to do that. You just brought it in. And now when I write a show, you know, if I'm doing an outline for an improv or even last night, I had no idea that yeah. it was going to be you and Scoop at one point. Oh, the rap battle. And I wasn't, <laughs> trust me, I wasn't even going to do a rap battle. But when I saw the two of you, I was like, oh, I'm, yeah. changing, I'm changing this shit on the spot. Nobody knows what I'm going to do, but it's going to be a rap battle right now. <laughs> and you tore it up and you won it. So let's talk about that. This incorporation of you as a musician crossing over into improv and now marrying the two together. What's that like? Because not many people can do it. Well, thanks. I never really sang before. I just played guitar. I didn't know if I could do it or not. So I've really enjoyed singing and playing at the same time. I really have no experience doing that. But I do think having done it for a long time, um, been in a band, you know, you do understand timing and improv is feel and timing. There is a similarity there. Music is a great big part of my life, an important part of my life. That General Readers Band is still mostly together, and we are a 70s cover band called the Susie French Connection. Mm -hmm. So I'm still doing it. 
And uh, doing the music and the improv is enormously satisfying. Now, the rap thing is, <laughs> I can't really speak to that, except it's the most pressure for me because, you know, not a huge rapper. And for me, being under that much pressure, you just try to bring it. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, I really feel like when it's that. <laughs> I also want to point out for everyone, we hope everyone comes and sees our show here at Old World. And we feature Lee. And when Lee Cuthbert, like you did last night, express yourself in dance, that is worth <laughs> the price of admission alone. It's a very jerky kind of you know, emotional. <laughs> it's like you took a washing machine, gave it actuators, and <laughs> set it on remote. You know, that's... Thank you for recognizing my dance skills. When I came out last night, the bartender was like, oh my God, what <laughs> What was that? Yeah, I'm super awkward. And I uh, got a chance to river dance last night. Uh, that was terrific. But yes, your thing of like a washing machine <laughs> dancing is <laughs> probably spot on. Thank you for recognizing. I think it speaks to something that you really do well. And I think you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but you're not afraid just to go with whatever you feel in the moment. That's something that a lot of students and apprentices sort of struggle against. You know, they have this instinct to want to do something and then they stop. And then we refer yeah. to that as like getting heady. How do you tell, because you are now also a teacher, have you addressed that with your students? How do you tell your students that, look, in the moment, Here's what you should go with, or if you recognize this in the moment, how to do it. Yeah, the teaching thing is interesting. It's made me think a lot differently about some things in terms of the basics of good scene work. To me, of course, there's the who, what, where, blah, 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 blah. But there's also making a strong choice and committing to it physically. And nobody wants to see two people on stage standing still talking to each other, right? So whatever you choose, and hopefully it's a bold A to C choice, commit to it at the beginning, but then be willing to let it go if your scene partner takes it in a different direction. I love that moment when we get a suggestion from the audience and I do the Rolodex thing in the brain of, all right, so a few ways you can go with this, like the word as it stands, what are some other things that it could relate to? And then what parts of the word could you take and go somewhere else? Like in terms of just what they might mean, have an alternative meeting or an alternative spelling, or, I mean, there's just a million different things you could do, but that moment of like having to make a choice, that's the moment. That's the pivotal moment for me. And I try to encourage my students. We do some really slow work. Like, what's the first thing you think of? Do it. What's the second thing you think of? Do it. What's the third thing you think of? Do it. One was the most successful choice to try and really get into that, that space. Yeah, but once I've got a thing, I hope it's really a great choice. And so I just fling myself into it. Sometimes it's not a great choice, <laughs> but I really enjoy the process of making the choice. But also letting your students know it's the good and the bad. It's not always going to be successful, but at least you're trying, right? I think that's the big thing that I've For sure. loved over 27 years of being here is watching someone who comes in like yourself, who goes, oh, I can't really do this. But then you do it. Then you become an apprentice. Then you become main stage. You've got the musical aspect. And then we say teach. And then you got to put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. 
because now your students are going to come <laughs> That's for sure. and they're going to be watching you and eyes on you and they're going to challenge you. So, you know, between students coming up and apprentices that are coming behind you, what's like the big advice that you give anybody that's taking the path that you took to get here to be a main cast member? Well, there's probably two things. The instruction program at Whole World is actually very good. And if you feel like you can't do it or you don't know it or you have a crisis of confidence, just stop thinking at 301 and 401 about can I do this? Because you've gotten to 301 and 401 and you can't do it. So there's that. And, you know, still there are nights as a main cast member where I'm worried about this or that. And I just have to tell myself, you can do this. You've done it before. Stop thinking about it. You can do it. The other thing I think is bring some nuance to your performance in terms of get good at something special like dialects or impers. Be a more well-rounded company member. And not only does it bring great stuff to the scene, but it will make you a more confident performer. That whole thing about I have holes in my game makes you feel less confident. And I think it shows in performance when somebody is wavering on whether or not they feel like they own it. So if you can up your game with some special stuff, party tricks, I don't know if you'd call them that, but um, you'll be more successful. This program is supported in part by Georgia Council for the Arts through the appropriations of the Georgia General Assembly. Georgia Council for the Arts also receives support from its partner agency, the National Endowment for the Arts. When you're on stage, what is your favorite game? It's the one I feel least prepared for, probably. I like being caught off guard. Rap battle. I can tell you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I really do. I prefer that. I think my favorite game is probably something where there's less game and more scene. It can be on a certain night, Robin Williams. The ones that are more constrictive to me, like repeat scene style or audience direction, or I find those to be a little bit. Um, more confining and probably prefer them less. I wouldn't say that there's anything I hate doing, <laughs> but um, what I love, like for the first time ever recently, I did press conference. For some reason, I came through the whole program and had never done press conference. And so when you have those new, you know, where you have to get into new brain space, I find that super exciting. What's your plan for the future as a main stage performer? I can always be better. Like I said, I am not strong in dialects. I should be working on that. I would like to be somebody who gets all different kinds of scenes. Right now, I'm really pleased that MCs are playing to my strength. Appreciate that. Gentle readers. If you're watching the podcast here, you know that they bumper us in and they bumper us out. We love that you do all these amazing things. And we love that you're a main cast performer. And we love that you were on with us today. John really is dying to know your description of that painting behind you. I, I am. <laughs> I'm it out. Can you describe I... it to us? It is a uh, Buddhist Tibetan priestess doing this which I think is a thing of peace I don't really know you know what it's super spiritual it's super deep John it's probably something you're not going to get so sorry atheists have no souls so that must be why I have <laughs> wanted to know that, right that's why he was feeling he was channeling something it looks very emaciated or zombie like which one is a better adjective it's actually like probably one of the most valuable things I own it was my <laughs> it's not emaciated 
It's really old. It was my grandmother's grandmother's and she oh. was a concert pianist and she bought it at Marshall Field in Chicago, probably in like the teens or the 20s. And then one final thing, John wants to know, when are you going to stain the last two boards on your ceiling? <laughs> <laughs> now, this isn't spiritual as like an atheist. This is me as an engineer seeing that there's an incomplete job there. <laughs> yeah, the answer is probably never. Honestly, you do have a good view of my ceiling there. Yeah. Let's see. You know how they're those home projects, like you're just never going to get to? That's never going to happen. Maybe if you pray to that thing behind you, it might make make it happen. Oh, 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 holy zombie. Yeah, I have to. Of the flesh of human. May thou bringeth unto me a carpenter that you would not eat until they have stained my ceiling as Michelangelo once did. Amen. Amen. But I have to go. I have some spiritual shit to do. <laughs> like cold laundry. Yeah. You guys rock. I love the podcast. I'm a regular listener. Thank you for doing it. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next week. All right. We'll see you. We'll see you at the holiday party. I will. You bet. Oh, John. He's not coming. He refuses to come. It's because I have a job outside of here. Now. Whatever. I know you have a job outside it's of here. Zoom. But we'll miss you. <laughs> Nobody's going to be paying attention, but we'll zoom you in. Nobody pays attention if I'm at the party. <laughs> Thank you so much. Nice. Y'all have a great day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. We're adding binarial beats to help you get to sleep. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and tester of the new Wine Tap is Chip Powell. This episode was produced, written, and edited by John Mihalik. See, I told you last week it was going to be more than one episode, because John just can't get enough. Oh, I feel bad. I kind of tore into John last week. He's had a vision of his life. And now that COVID is quote-unquote over, for now, I'm going to start I'm gonna start working real Frankly, I haven't been around enough people so that anyone really noticed how much I smell. <sighs> That's sad. Here I go again with a tiny little violin. Kate's always so self-deprecating. Self-deprecating, Kate. <laughs> Only get you so far. Original music by The Gentle Readers and our social media maven is Bethany Rowe. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. It's fun, easy, and just like leaving a Yelp review. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible. And H&R Block is hiring for seasonal tax work. Help keep those folks busy. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. The start of this podcast coincided nicely with the end of a little trick I was playing on some people. I had convinced for the past three months or so, some people in my life that um, I was now living in the woods for the most part uh, and finding my own food and that I wanted to be called the Wolf Mother. But obviously, if I have access to recording equipment, I am not living in the woods all that much. Jig is up. It was a good while it lasted. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye.